welcome back in after, I guess a sabbatical would be the proper term, right? Here on Concrete Jungle, New York Baseball Podcast. I'm Paul Russo. Next to me, legitimately this time, is Kyle Evans. Behind the scenes, Nate Sharman. You'll be hearing his voice, as always, throughout the show momentarily. But, we said we were on sabbatical here for a week because helping out with the new studio, getting everything ready to go. And to where we're coming to you now from the third floor, North Park Building, FairLakes1.com. Kyle, feels great to be legitimately, like I said, next to you in the new studio. Yeah, this studio is really awesome. <laughs> um, obviously, I'm, I am glad to be back talking baseball. i got a nice background right here. Yeah. Um, some new seats. It's going to be a good time. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've been really awesome everything going. Nate, how are you doing over there? Everything uh, all good for you? Good to be back on the set with you boys. Um, excited to kind of show off the rest of the studio here. Next yeah. coming weeks here with FI1 Today coming up soon. You'll hear more about that here on FingerLakes1.com, yeah. but it's going to be so exciting here. A lot of good things happening here at the 12 North Park building. For sure. So, obviously, we're not going to be able to do kind of like our standard show, right, recap on all games. It just wouldn't be possible. We'd have to go through a combined, what, 20, 20 games on the big league level and 12 or so on the minor league. We don't have enough time. So, a little bit of a different format style. We're still going to recap Yankees, Mets, Red Wings, and S-Mets today, but... We're just going to kind of look at the broader stroke of things at this point. Right? We're in September. We're in that final playoff push, and there's a lot to get to, especially, uh, like I said, especially at the big league level. The Yankees and Mets still atop the NL East and the AL East, respectively, uh, for the Yankees. Kyle, it's been uh, it's been an interesting start of September. Record indicates through the course of the first 10 games, 6-4. and four. But interesting treks as to how they kind of got there. Um, got the gates not, not well against Tampa Bay at the start of the month. Certainly came on better here the last weekend, this time at Yankee Stadium against the Rays. But, you know, the roadmap to get to this point certainly has been an interesting one to get here. Yeah, they've certainly had some scares over the last, you know, month or a few weeks at least mm -hmm. um, with the Rays. Uh, the Rays seem to always play well against them. Their pitching is always really good. Um, but big series over the weekend. Um, the Yankees really needed that to kind of get some more comfort back. Um, and at this point, I think the Yankees are in a good spot. I think right. there's 21 games left. And uh, mm -hmm. five and a half up, I don't really think the Rays can right. kind of catch up with their schedule. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. You look at the, uh, you know, the standings here really quickly, for instance, in the AL East. And realistically, right, I mean, Baltimore still has a shot, but I left them out only because, I mean, they're sitting at 11 and a half, and that's just a big glass of water to add on. You bring up the Yankees really only have, and really every big league team only has roughly somewhere in between the 20 to 22 games left. Um, so that, that's just really tough. Uh, but, you know, Tampa Bay in second place, five and a half back right now. Toronto in third, six back. Both obviously well within striking distance of that. Mentioned obviously with the Rays, right? Look back, September 2nd, Yankees lost 9 nothing. Come back over the weekend and beat the Rays 10-3 uh, and 10-4 respectively. So quite the way to kind of flip the script a little bit on uh, really a, what's become a big division rival at this point. Yeah, and the best part about the series too is – they were scoring a lot of runs. Um, that's kind of been an issue over the last, I would say, month and a half now. Then yeah. um, back-to-back days with 10 runs, that was really good to see. Um, guys are starting to heat up. Stanton, you know, homering for back-to-back -back days. Cabrera with his first home run. Just a lot of a lot of positives over the weekend. And uh, before that series start, well, after Friday's loss, actually, I think a lot of fans were kind of down because, I mean, the lead was just three and a half, and they had scored just two runs that night. Uh, the lineup's kind of triple-A-ish yeah. with all the injuries. So, and It's been interesting because, uh, obviously, and this is where we kind of jump into some of our main talking points, right? Aaron Judge bats lead off over the weekend a little bit. But 
I feel like maybe more importantly in the grand scheme of baseball things is on pace to get to 62 home runs now officially. Kind of have the Maris family even talking about a little bit, saying that you know they wish he was a little bit maybe more vocal about the real, quote-unquote, real season home run record uh, for whatever that's worth. I mean, I, we've had that discussion already on here. But uh, there's been one consistent bat through the lineup through the course of really the past month and a half, two months, even the game going in September here. It's Ben Judge. Uh, certainly filling in the different roles as needed. I mentioned, right, leadoff spot. Spot he's not really used to by any means. Yeah, and it's really good to see um, his homers. I mean, he's been hitting a few here and there, but I think teams are really pitching around him, um, especially with, like I said, the, the lineup's been a little weak with all the AAA guys kind of in there with all the injuries. Um, but what I like f from Judge is he's getting on base. Just because he's not homering, he's still, you know, getting a hit. He's still walking. I mean, he's been intentionally walked, like, several times. Um, so, yeah, I just I like what he's doing from the leadoff spot. And I do like Stanton behind him because then you can't really pitch around him. Right. And when Stanton heats up, you really can't pitch around him. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and we kind of saw that the last couple of days, Stanton made him pay yeah. when they kind of pitched around him uh, yesterday. I think another unsung part of this, too, to agree, is, is Rizzo coming back. Um, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, you're better off having Rizzo. But I, I think the way we've looked at it all summer is the way – uh, you go judge to stand, really, because I think it's just the fact that both our right-handed batteries go back-to-back -back like that. So it certainly kind of makes things a little bit more interesting, I'd say, than anything else uh, for a pitching staff to deal with, especially, obviously, judges here batting for power and for average. Um, yep. And obviously, stand not, not to knock it right, but, I mean, we know what he does, and it's pretty much power-oriented at this point. And the big topic we've been hearing the last few days is uh, the triple crown watch for right. judge on – like you just said, he's hitting for average. Um, Bogarts, I believe, still leads American League mm. with 318. Yeah. And he's at 307. So yeah. a little little hill to climb. But, I mean, as Michael Kay was mentioning on the broadcast, it's certainly possible. I mean, definitely. I mean, not to jump ahead, right? But, I mean, the Yankees face Boston six times over the course of the next really give or take 14 days. Um, obviously, they play midweek this week. We'll touch on that in a couple of minutes. Um, before we get into a couple other really main topics, we want to bring up this uh, because it's a running joke throughout the Yankees and our fan base and stuff like that. But Ben Bordvet, uh got called up. Uh, we mentioned on our last uh, edition uh, episode uh, now 10 days ago, but um, it was, has been subsequently sent back down with Jose Trevino back. But um, do we have any confirmation that he is a real person at this point? I, he didn't see any action uh, up with the big league club. Uh, that being said, uh, he was reportedly seen in the dugout, as we will jokingly say. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't remember <laughs> seeing a single shot of him on Yes. Yeah. Um, maybe a reporter took a picture of him mm -hmm. um, doing, like, pregame work, but right. I don't think I've ever I ever seen him. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Obviously, you know, came over within the, the Sanchez trade, and, or down however way you want to look at a trade at this point, I guess. Uh, might be classed by more as a Gio Ursella trade at this point, but... Um, yeah, certainly interesting. Obviously, sent back down, like I mentioned, back with Scranton now uh, for their playoff push within the International League. Um, would suspect, not to not to really do uh, foreshadowing here, but uh, I would suspect he will be in contention with Higgy probably next spring for the de facto catcher number two role. Yeah, I'm wondering if he didn't start one of the games because he's not he hasn't really worked with any of the pitchers. Um, but I still was shocked that he didn't get, like, a pinch-headed right. bat, you know, with a lefty swing right. late in a game. Especially, uh, I think it was Monday, or Friday night, I mean. I think there was a situation where he could have came in and pinched it, and they just didn't do it. Yeah. All right, let's look ahead, or rather back again to this weekend a little bit. Um, 
naming the Yankee headlines lately has been Aaron Hicks for a multitude of reasons, usually not so much on the good end, but certainly grabbed headlines, missed playing uh, a couple balls but in left field. But most notably, really, it's the one along the foul line that uh, he dropped, thought was foul, was not landed well within fair territory. Um, and Boone uh, subsequently benched him uh, in the fifth inning uh, because of the, the, the blunders, if you will, or the lapse of judgments. Um, I know I think a lot, a lot of especially the older generation Yankee fans wanted to kind of tie it in with uh, a little bit of, say, Reggie Jackson and Billy Martin a little bit. I don't think that's the case, though. I think uh, in this situation it's just uh, Hicks is in a, in a deep spot right now uh, mentally. Um, and first and foremost, you hope that he can get himself out of it. I think that's what this is really at the point now that a lot of it, I think, is a bit you know in the brain and mental for him. Uh, that being said, I mean, he, he's, he's a defensive plus player. I mean, those are plays that defensive plus players don't, don't mess up. Um, and I know we mentioned, you know, a little bit ago to each other that at the very least, I mean, if I were to miss a ball like that, I'd at least be looking at the umpire to see what he called, whether it be fair or foul in that situation. Yeah, he's, to me, he's kind of the new Joey Gallo, just in terms of people booing and not liking him. But I think the difference with Gallo and Hicks is Gallo, even though he struggled at the plate, he still played defense really well, mm-hmm. and it seemed like he was always hustling, always trying to make plays. If you look at Hicks, other than just that play, I've seen a lot of times where he's not throwing the ball home when there's maybe a play, a play at the plate. Um, he just, like his attitude the other night with that foul ball, mm-hmm. he just stood there looking at the wall. I just, I don't like his, like his body language out there. I think Gallo was, was a little different. Yeah, it seems like with Hicks maybe to a degree, and I don't know if it's maybe because, um, you know, we've had him now within the organization for really borderline six years, six seasons really, um, that, I mean, do 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 we move on? I know, um, you know, the contract, I, th- I think, you know, I know Nate, Nate enjoys calling it a little bit of an albatross, if you will, but. I, I don't think it's that bad. I mean, it's a it's a seven year, seven mil, seventy million dollar deal. That's ten per year. Uh, that's enough for me if I were a team to kind of take a run at something. I mean, uh, you look at um, the Gallo trade that the Yankees made. I think there's definitely suitors out there. Um, still quick enough. So I think to me, good defensively. I, I would assume the bat comes around, but I, I just think the time in New York probably has come to an end for Aaron Hicks. Yeah, I would have to agree. I just I'm not so sure the Yankees would make that move. Only because, obviously, one of their outfielders, Andrew Benatendi, will be a free agent. Um, Obviously, they traded Joe Gallo, who would have been a free agent anyway. But I just, unless they see another outfielder out there in the market, or I guess if they want to trade for one, I just don't see them uh, trading him. But um, I would be all for it. I don't think think New York is the place for him. They got one other prime outfielder that's a free agent, too. Don't forget about him. Aaron Judge. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a different topic. (laughs) That's a good point. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, and they have some spots internally, too. Floreal, uh, clearly you could swing, obviously, with Cabrera, uh, Peraza even possibly. So I, who knows, right? I mean, it, there's a couple of different spots potentially here that uh, the Yankees could go. All right, let's uh, finish up here, uh, at least main point-wise, with Derek Jeter Hall of Fame uh, ceremony uh, took place uh, two years delayed <laughs> uh, because of COVID. But that being said, um, it, we wouldn't probably be having this discussion so much was for the fact that some comments he made within his speech, uh, notably, and I'm going to paraphrase this, see you soon, I'll be back. Um, obviously, part owner of the Marlins at one point got his shares bought out, technically kind of fired, if you will, because he was also president 
of the team, but kind of laid the foundation of what we've seen with the Marlins this year, where they're at least swinging pretty good, batting, you know, really swinging above their weight class in a way. Um, but, I mean, this is obviously a Yankee front office now that's been under a microscope the second half of the year. And one that's, you know, if it wasn't for the first half of the year, probably been under a microscope combined for about two full seasons at this point. Yeah, uh, there's no way Brian or uh, Hal fires Brian right and then brings in Derek as the GM. Right. Um, I would love that, but I don't see it happening. Um, but I feel like if Derek was the GM, things would definitely be different around there. Yeah. Um, more, I think more former players would kind of come back more often. Right. Um, I don't know. I just I think a lot of people are kind of fed up with Brian. Well, and I, I do want to bring up a point here because Nate does have a, a picture up from the ceremony on Friday night, and this is. Look, you got members of really the last great Yankee years, right? You got Jorge Posada, Mariano Rivera, CC Sabathia, obviously Joe Torre, Jeter's manager for well over half his career. Uh, Jeter himself, Andy Pettit, Tino Martinez. Um, look, and, and you brought up a good point. You know, do the do does an appointment with Jeter kind of bring guys back? And it, it's it, it's interesting because I noticed that old timers day this year was I don't want to make it sound like a lackluster field of guys that came back because the guys who come back usually have some sort of really good whether it's within the organization ties still or meaningful moments or kind of like the cult heroes if you will like you know homer bush sticks out to me all the time with that where sure he was a, your backup utility guy on the first few years of that run in the late 90s uh, but cult hero with the fans a fan favorite always welcome back with no problem Guys like, you know, Charlie Hayes, you know, obviously coming back who had who were big defensively in the 96 World Series and had big hits most notably, right? So guys like that are always good to see him back. But when was the last time we saw Posada? When was the last time we saw Rivera, right? Sabathia, Pettit, um, Tino even, right? Tino was a guy who loved coming back for old-timers day for a number of years. So it will be interesting, right? I know it's tough, too. I mean, Tori, you know, for example, right, is still within working within the MLB a little bit. Uh, Pettit's a coach now and really kind of following his son and what he does. It's almost a little bit tougher for him. But, you know, the other guys, you know, I, I definitely think they'd like to be around a little bit more than, than anything else. So I, I think you bring up a good point with that. But uh, to go back to, I guess, the original point that you did, Nick Kyle, I don't know. I, I I feel like the, if there's going to be a move, I think the first person you'll see fired is going to be Randy uh, Levine. Uh, I, I just – he made comments about the judge thing recently where I, I just – very similar to what he said about Cano uh, back in 2012 and 13. So I just I, – I don't know. And, of course, a lot of Yankee fans were jokingly saying, all right, well, who's going to be the Allsbury signing then for us? So I don't know. I, I, I would imagine I'm with you. I, I don't see, unfortunately, Cashman getting fired. It's a lot like the way Boone is. And I like Boone. I know people call me apologist for us, but I don't think people fully get that Boone's is more or less a meat shield for Cashman at this point. Yeah, I think a lot of the fans, though, that do call for Boone to be fired and whatever, they're kind of just more casual fans. They don't understand sure. the business side for of sure. it. Um, and that's the frustrating part. You just read comments from fans that they just don't even make sense. Um, and obviously, people want hell to sell the team. Obviously, that's not happening, as he already mentioned. Um, and Randy Levine's comments, based on what he said, I, I've felt like this all along. I don't really think the Yankees are going to offer a judge much more than what they did. Right. I know we just had the insane year, but I think the Yankees will not really go much more than what they did. Maybe a few more million per year, but I don't see over 40. Right. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. So uh, let's move on and take a look ahead. Obviously, Yankees off today on Monday, uh, and then two games in Boston over the course of t tomorrow on Tuesday and then Wednesday night. Uh, both Yankees pitching assignments to be announced. Uh, they threw Herman on short notice yesterday. Uh, kind of going to see how everything shakes up. But they should be expecting Nick Pavetta for Boston. He's 9-11 on the year, 4-2-9 ERA on Tuesday. Now Wednesday, rookie uh, Brian Bellow, uh, who he is 1-5 uh, for five on the year, 5-7-9 ERA. But good rookie, obviously, he's just getting his feet wet this year. I mean, the Red Sox, although not eliminated, they are last in the AL East. They're saying about 16.5 back, really a Got to come out swinging if they want any more shot at things. But the Yankees can really kind of at least bury one team uh, kind of here midweek. But if I remember right, though, Pavetta, I think, is the one starter in that rotation that gave the yeah. Yankees issues this year. Yeah. So uh, that's not a give-me game. Um, obviously, we don't know the Yankees starters yet. Um, but I do think they should win this series. Okay. I, th I mean, obviously, there's only two games. So yeah, obviously, I, mean, I think they win both. Yeah, on paper, they should. But I, I realistically, I'm thinking sport. Yeah, I, obviously that can happen with the yeah. way things have been going. All right, let's head to the Mets. Uh, they are coming off a very similar 10-game run here, more or less, uh, but their storylines are a bit different. They, too, 6-4 and four to get the month of September going in their 10 games. Um, start off the month really good, beating the Dodgers, all right, getting going out of that series, but uh, kind of, I wouldn't say floundered, but kind of really did play 500 ball against the Nationals and Pirates um, before heading down to Miami and, and – taking that series against them over the weekend. The Mets' issues compared to the Yankees' issues, I wouldn't say are more concerning. The only reason why they sparked my alarm is because, again, they're all health-related, whereas with the Yankees, I think it's more Their mindset, focus. culture, right, performance. But with the Mets, you can make the case that it's obviously health-related, but they could be playing a little bit of um, I guess maybe mental gymnastics with teams a little bit here. Um, you know, for example, does Scherzer probably need to be on the IL? No. That being said, probably won't see him really much the rest of the regular season, potentially. Yeah, it kind of makes me think that, like, obviously um, they want guys to be healthy, but on the other side, they need to understand that, like, if they want to win this division, I mean, it's still tight. Like, right. you got to have your players in there because um, it didn't seem like Scherzer was too hurt. But right. at the same point, you do want him to be healthy for the postseason, but – if I were them, if he's fine, you got to get him back. I mean, they're trying to win this division. Um, obviously, that would be their goal. I know there's some fans that say they don't care if they win the division, but I think that should be a goal. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that. Then let's jump right to it with the Braves. Uh, they're only a game and a half back right now. At one point last week, did have outright lead of the NL East. Uh, they came in to Seattle and lost the series uh, game that should have been on Sunday night last night, but that's a different discussion for a different day. Um, but you mentioned, right, I mean, the Braves are getting ground. They're really the only team in the NL East at this point uh, that can realistically get there, as we call it. You know, Phillies are hanging in there in third, 11 back. Obviously doable, more than likely not, though. Um, but you bring up a point, right? I mean, the Braves are a team where, of course, really post-All-Star break, they have gotten hot, uh, definitely made key additions. I mean, the one that sticks out, obviously, is yesterday, Robbie Grossman hitting the what was the game-tying home run at the time. So um, a lot to play for. Um I kind of agree and disagree with what you brought up in the logic of some Mets fans. I, I, I love the fact you still go for the division. Obviously, the one, the de facto one seed now as we have it in the MLB playoffs, right? That's the Dodgers on the NL side. Um, they, um, <laughs> interesting tidbit before at least recording today. Um, I, I'm really intrigued to see Nate's reaction to this. 
uh, because the Dodgers, right, allegedly clinched last night. Yep. They, in fact, did not. The MLB had a scoring error. <laughs> oh, really? So the Dodgers can clinch tomorrow as opposed to yesterday. That oh. goes down as an error in the book, right? E4? Big, big. <laughs> I'd say it's like E, like what? E4 million because it's the front office. The MLB is a league who did it. Wow, so. I didn't even pick that up. Everybody yeah. makes mistakes, right? So, I mean, it's a big one. Yeah. I mean, that kind of changes your disposition a little bit potentially for the Dodgers. So, either way. Um, Right, I mean, but the Mets really—they they got the two spot in my mind in the NL. As long as they hold the division, that's where it's tough. I, I don't personally, for me, I'd rather just not have to play an extra series. That's just, the thing. Just get myself ready for the divisional round and, and move on. You have to win less games to get the World Series right. if you win the division, and I think that should—that's why the division really does matter. Um, fans don't think so, but um, anything can happen in those wild card games. Now that they're three games, I mean, right. anything can really happen. But I, I think this goes back, you know, to, to what I kind of said about the Braves a little bit is, you know, they're pitching very hit and miss. I mean, look at last night as a prime example in Seattle, really the bullpen is what gave them fits. Yeah, they were down 6-1 so, at one point. Right. So, um, it, and it's tough because, look, like I said, the Mets are kind of dealing with some injuries. I mean, Trevor May, I know, got, um, it's weird saying dinged up as a pitcher, but, you know, dinged up as a pitcher. Uh, but he's not expected to miss time. Obviously, you mentioned Scherzer, right? Marte um, on the Mar offensive yeah, side of the ball. Um, but you know, that being said, you, you do have reinforcements coming. The Army is expected back in the lineup either tonight or tomorrow night. Kind of depends the final tests that they give him. But either way, he'll be back within the next couple of days. And I think that bullpen's still something to worry about with the Mets. I just the back end of it's solid with Ottavino and uh, Lugo kind of mixing in there, and then obviously Diaz. But the middle relief stuff. I mean, they're calling up guys, like I said, still from AAA. Um, I forgot the one dude's name. He has a weird last name. Um, Montes de Oca. Oh, yeah, Bryce, uh, Bryce Montes de Oca. Yeah, that guy. I've seen him in some, some Sir, spots over the Syracuse weekend. Syracuse Met legend, Bryce yeah, Montes de Oca. I just, I don't know. That kind of that bullpen kind of worries me. I know we've mentioned over and over again, they should have probably made more moves for, like, relievers, mm -hmm. and they didn't do that. So hopefully that doesn't come back to hurt them in a, in a big uh, postseason game. Right, and uh, Bryce Montesioka, by the way, a pitching ninja, nastiest pitch of uh, the weekend nominee. So, uh, interesting stuff there. Uh, I see Nate's got uh, the picture up from over the weekend of Adovino last night and Tomas Nito. Uh, I've mentioned, obviously, the big series there. But they were joined yesterday officially by Mark Vientos, uh, one of the top five prospects in the Mets organization and top ten in baseball. Got the call up to the big leagues over the weekend should be interesting to kind of see what he does obviously did a really great job batting over 275 at Syracuse uh, 15 plus home runs I believe it was plus 70 RBIs by uh, the end of the week when he got called up it's interesting I, I figured he would be the one kind of with Alvarez that wouldn't get the call up based on when they called Beatty up and stuff like that but uh, clearly the Mets see something here obviously not eligible for the playoffs but could be a big bet for them kind of here the final two and a half, three weeks. Yeah, the thing is there was reports, I think, in like July mm -hmm. of them saying that uh, he wasn't um, one of the candidates to be uh, called up. So obviously they changed their mind. Injuries happened. Um, but, yeah, I was a little surprised about the move. Uh, he got called up Saturday, didn't appear in that game. But yesterday I believe he struck out once in his forward bats. Yep. Um, so, yeah, just I, I think he'll uh, end up probably – Picking up a hit or two tonight. I think he'll be in the lineup tonight. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, that first game is always tough. Um, 
not everyone can have a major league debut like wow. you know what's his name did that hit the home run his first at bat brett Beatty. Brett Beatty. Yeah, Beatty. not everyone can do that so uh <laughs> people need to be patient with the rookies obviously with the yankees they had oswaldo cabrera a right. little bit of a slow start but you know they pick it up those rookies do yeah, and it's, it's going to be interesting because, like I mentioned, you know, Guillaume should be back either today or tomorrow at the, at the very latest. And kind of does an interesting positional stuff there with Vientos. Obviously, can play third, can play first in a very tight pinch, can play corner outfield, but um, should be interesting what they see. But obviously, congrats to congrats to Vientos, uh, one of the guys, obviously, like I mentioned. It's Syracuse all year, one of the more consistent guys on that roster. Yeah, that's really cool to see. Uh, the Mets, three games against the Cubs. They have a pretty, what should be an easy stretch over the course of the next 10, to, 10 or so days with the Cubs, Bray, or Pirates, uh, Cubs again. So, um, Oh, maybe it's not that easy right. uh, considering they lost two to the Nationals. That's a good point. So. And they weren't close. So, yeah. uh, so tonight, 7-10 first pitch on SNY. Javier Assad gets the start for the Cubs. 0-1, a 2-9-3 area. Going against Chris Bassett, 13-7. and Three to four ERA tomorrow night on Tuesday, seven ten on SNY. Adrian Sampson, one and five a three seven six ERA for the Cubs pitcher. They go against Jacob Degrom, five and one a one six six ERA. And then Wednesday, seven ten on SNY. Drew Smiley gets to start for the Cubs, six and eight a three and a half ERA against two B announced for the Mets. Um, I know you said uh, with the Yankees, but here's where I'm taking the sweep. I think Mets do get it done against the Cubs and get three. I say two of three. And then I say three and four against Pittsburgh. And Nate says sweep, which yeah. is crazy. The Pittsburgh Pirates are not sweeping the Mets. <laughs> Those buckles of your of yours, Nate, they're fighters, man. I tell I, you what. I said no such thing, Kyle. <laughs> I just joking. said that, that they're uh, they're frisky, like you said, Paul. Yeah. O'Neill Cruz hit one, and I think it might still be in the air against the Mets last week. Well, as I said, it's definitely across uh, the Allegheny on the West 6th Street. So. Yeah, I mean, we could have a whole podcast about <laughs> O'Neill Cruz, but he's un unreal yeah. to watch. I love it. So, uh, speaking of O'Neill Cruz and the youngins, let's take a look at down on the farm, Rochester and Syracuse. Uh, both teams entering their last full week homestands this week as their season's widened down. Neither team officially eliminated from the playoffs, but both uh, sitting well back in the standings. Rochester currently in eighth in the ILE, 16 games back. Syracuse ninth, uh, 19 games back. Like I said, um, not officially eliminated, but quite the hill to climb for either of them if uh, anything happens or they attempt to. Uh, played each other last week, split the series down the middle. Um, tough, uh, tough going really for both. Uh, again, rosters obviously in flux and limbo each day. It kind of seemed to certain degrees with guys getting called up, sent down, and other lateral moves kind of happening behind the scenes. Um, Rochester this week home against Lehigh Valley, uh, AAA affiliate for the Phillies. Uh, couple homestand highlights for them. I know Milo will be making the final appearance of the season on Saturday. Um, Deaf Culture Awareness Night is on Friday night. Uh, and then there are also usual stuff, college nights on Thursday and stuff like that. So I know tomorrow night, Tuesday, they're doing the magnet giveaway. Always fun time this final full week for them. Um, and, you know, this was a team, right, that we thought would be making some headway this year. And just couldn't quite keep it up, and obviously, you know, mainly that 19-game losing streak kind of to blame there. Um, touch back on that though in a second, Kyle. Looking at Syracuse, they're home this week against Buffalo for their final full home week, uh, home home stand week long wise. Uh, for them, their usual stuff. Uh, I know it's going to be tough for them on Saturday. They're going to be going up, uh, not quite against Syracuse uh, football, but 
Uh, certainly make yourself a day of that potentially if you're able to go from the Dome over to MDC Bank Stadium for a little nightcap action. But Buck Night Thursday, Salt Potato Saturday. Um, are they still doing Taco Tuesday uh, tomorrow night? They are. Oh, delicious. I love tacos. So uh, certainly plenty of options for everybody to get out one more time. Uh, both are home at the end of the month, but only for three games as the season wraps up. So, uh, But what's interesting is, uh, before we head out here, both these teams kind of uh, went different directions at some point, kind of ended up in the same spot. Um, you know, How important in your mind is it, Kyle, for, for these teams, both players and coaches, to kind of finish the year on a high note at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's been a, kind of a rough year for both teams. Um, Obviously, I think finishing the year strong would be huge into next year because those teams are very young. I mean, Syracuse constantly is calling up guys from Double A. Right. Seems like throughout the year, um, and yeah, for the Red Wings, that 19-game losing streak, which what, like three or four weeks of bad baseball, that really defined their season because right now I think they'd be sitting right there fighting for I mean, a playoff they, spot. They were in first place in, in the East when that happened. Even if they only lost eight or nine games in a row, I think yeah. that's the difference right there. But and, like, and since then they've played at or slightly below 500 ball. Yeah, and the Syracuse Mets have had a couple um, very hot stretches. Um, kind of cooled off a bit with all the moving parts, as right. you mentioned. But yeah, finishing strong would be huge for both teams. Uh, hopefully next year both of these teams are you know fighting for a playoff spot at this time next right. year. Different, different discussion point, but if you're the Nationals and the Mets, I, I think you for sure, at least on the Mets side, you bring back Kevin Bowles and his coaching staff in Syracuse, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the Nationals, personally, I think I'd keep LaCroix and his staff in Rochester, but sometimes it just doesn't happen that way. I know that. That's the thing. It's, it's tough to get a read with the AAA managers yeah. because of all the moving parts. They don't actually have a, a solid team that stays the way it is, like, yeah. all year, um, kind of like the major leagues do, besides injuries, but... Yeah, there's call-ups all the time with AAA, so it's hard to kind of evaluate a manager. Yeah. All right, so that will wrap up Concrete Jungle for today. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, this will, you know, we get back into our usual slots here on Thursday as well. Um, catch us anytime on YouTube, Anchor, Spotify, and other major podcasting platforms. As always, appreciate Nate Sharman behind the scenes, manning it for us. For Kyle Evans, I'm Paul Russo. Thanks, everybody, for Talk to you guys later on this week.